I love that hymn so much. Come thou font of every blessing. This is Stacy Julian with episode 63 of Exactly Enough Time. is about being present. It is also about living with happy optimism and other things like curiosity, awareness, and connection. I am a life enthusiast and a believer, and I love to talk about people, places, and things. Listen up. I think you're going to find inspiration for living your life and telling your story because you have exactly enough time. So, did you know, the hymn, Come Thou Font of Every Blessing, was written by Robert Robinson in 1758. He was a mere 22 years old. These are my favorite lines. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I have been a church-going girl all my life, and it is hard for me to say those words, prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love, or at least prone to not acknowledge Him as often as I want to and I should. You guys, I have wrestled with my message today because I'm going to share some very personal truths and convictions which stem from what I believe about God and His plan for all of us. I have great respect for individual experience and choice when it comes to spiritual matters, and I would never want to offend anyone. So I have prayed that what I share will be received in the spirit it is intended. But truly, if there was ever a time to speak of faith... And the foundational hope and peace it affords, it is now. In the midst of this worldwide pandemic and just a few days before Easter, when the Christian church comes together to celebrate the resurrected Christ. I, of course, don't know exactly who's listening, but I'm going to assume that if you choose to keep listening, you are likely a person of faith. And rather than speak to you, I'm going to imagine us sitting down together in conversation. And I'm going to just speak with you because I sincerely believe we have so much in common. If you're listening and you do not currently have a faith in God or an active faith and you wish that you could draw more practically on faith, then I invite you to listen with a whole lot of curiosity and take your thoughts and feelings and questions and concerns and doubts to God. I believe he is the father of your spirit. He will always listen and he is eager to reassure and to guide you. So as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I participated last weekend in a worldwide general conference. 
And I heard inspiring and uplifting and encouraging words. I've done some splicing and dicing so that I can share snippets of talks that I personally found particularly powerful. But first, I want to share a quick story. Go back with me to 1990. I had been married six months. Jeff, my husband, was waiting to hear from medical schools. I was raised in Seattle. So naturally, I wanted him to attend the University of Washington. It just made sense. (laughs) And we did hear that he was actually waitlisted, which means he was number seven on the list of students waiting for a spot should others decide not to attend the UW. This is actually a favorable position, and I felt that we should trust it, and we should stay in Seattle, and we should wait. (laughs) The thing is, Jeff had an acceptance letter from Loyola Stritch outside Chicago, but Chicago was 2,000 miles away. Both of our families were living near Seattle at the time, and I knew that medical school was going to be rigorous for both of us. And I could not imagine why it would make sense that we should move so far away. I prayed and I prayed hard. We would, over the next four years, surely be starting our family. I would want and need my mom. And Jeff's mother was battling terminal cancer. Surely we should stay close at home so that we could be there for our families and they could be there for us. Jeff felt strongly that we should go with the sure thing, and so ultimately we did. We moved, and just a few weeks after starting school at Loyola, Jeff got word that a spot had opened at the University of Washington. I will not drag this out. But I was not happy. (laughs) I felt we had made a rash and wrong decision. And honestly, I was perturbed at God for not making my obviously wise wishes come true. So fast forward a few years. Now it's February 1993 and I have just given birth to Clark, my oldest son. And I had for a month or so prior to giving birth noticed a lump that was growing on the inside of my right thigh. And I asked my medical school husband about it and he said, you know, I wouldn't worry about it. It's probably a lipoma, like a lump of fatty tissue. And it's fairly common during pregnancy for these to grow. So I ignored it. Or at least I didn't worry excessively about it. In fact, I didn't even mention it to my doctor at my six-week checkup. I was fully dressed and ready to walk out of her office when she said to me, is there anything else you're concerned about? Any other questions you have for me? In that moment, it was almost as if someone else was speaking. Because I opened my mouth and I said, yes, actually, I have this funny lump on my leg. Within an hour, I was receiving an MRI test, which showed ultimately a large, deep tumor in the muscles of my upper thigh. The next step was a biopsy, which revealed cancerous cells, but too difficult to identify at that point. Nobody knew what kind of tumor I had, except that it was a rare form of sarcoma. That is not good news. Sarcomas can be deadly. And here's where for me, this story gets very interesting. I remember through this whole experience when I had good reason to freak out, to be worried, not feeling worried. You guys, I didn't. I had this 
uncommon sense of calm. Sometimes my brain would suggest possible outcomes, scary outcomes, and invite me to dwell on them. But I truly had a sense of abiding peace. And so did Jeff. Even as he read and researched, would this tumor spread? How quickly? Would they have to amputate my leg? But I knew in my heart, through what I love to refer to as the unspeakable gift of the Holy Ghost, that I didn't need to worry. Cell samples from my tumor were widely distributed, and after a couple of uncertain weeks, a diagnosis was determined. And guess where? One of the premier surgeons for soft tissue sarcomas worked at the University of Chicago. Dr. Michael Simon's life work had been dedicated to understanding and treating my specific kind of tumor. And I'm telling you, this is a rare tumor. (laughs) Not even kidding. At the time, it had been documented only in one small study out of Poland. So, When my prayers about staying in Seattle felt unanswered and Jeff felt so disappointed about not being accepted at our school of choice, there was something bigger at play. With some hindsight, it's clear to me that our move to Chicago saved my life or at least saved my leg. I truly had the best surgeon in my backyard and I received the best possible aftercare for a full year. Now, in this recent general conference that I have mentioned, Neil L. Anderson said this, When personal difficulty, doubt, or discouragement darken our path, or when the world conditions beyond our control lead us to to wonder about the future, The spiritually defining memories from our book of life are like luminous stones that help brighten the road ahead, assuring us that God knows us, loves us, and has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to help us return home. And when someone sets his or her defining memories aside and is lost or confused, we turn them toward the Savior as we share our faith and memories with them, helping them rediscover those precious spiritual moments they once treasured. Okay, listen to this next part. This is the part I really like. Embrace your sacred memories. Believe them. Write them down. Share them with your family. Trust that they come to you from your Heavenly Father and His beloved Son. Let them bring patience to your doubts and understanding to your difficulties. I promise you that as you willingly acknowledge and carefully treasure the spiritually defining events in your life, more and more will come to you. Heavenly Father knows you and loves you. This year, 2020, in our church, we are celebrating a bicentennial. It has been 200 years since a young Joseph Smith saw in vision our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. This event is the beginning of what we call the Restoration. Reflecting on his spiritual journey, Joseph said, I don't blame anyone for not believing my history. 
if I had not experienced what I have, I would not have believed it myself. But even amidst intense opposition, persecution, and harassment that would ultimately end his life, Joseph confirmed, I had actually seen a light. And in the midst of that light, I saw two personages, and they did in reality speak to me. And though I was hated and persecuted for saying that I had seen a vision, yet it was true. I knew it, and I knew that God knew it, and I could not deny it. That has always been a favorite part of Joseph Smith's story for me, because my spiritually defining memories have stayed with me to strengthen my faith and have over the years taught me how God works in my life. I imagine my granddaughter someday reading or maybe even listening to my stories, and I would want her to hear my voice and feel of my conviction. I would want her to know that her grandmother knew, that God knew, that she knew, and that she was not afraid to share in a generous and respectful way. Living what you believe and showing up true to yourself is not easy. It takes courage and effort. Listen to how Joy D. Jones speaks of this. The Lord loves effort, and effort brings rewards. We keep practicing. We are always progressing as long as we are striving to follow the Lord. He doesn't expect perfection today. We keep climbing our personal Mount Sinai. As in times past, our journey does indeed take effort, hard work, and study but our commitment to progress brings eternal rewards. Speaking of spiritual impressions, I knew going into this conference last weekend that I wanted to record an episode sharing snippets of these conference talks, that I wanted to share some of what gives me hope in difficult and uncertain times. But I didn't anticipate that a talk by Jeffrey R. Holland would be so perfectly exactly what I desired to share. For the purposes of today's episode, this talk is hands down my favorite. Thus, our look back at 200 years of God's goodness to the world. But what of our look ahead? We still have hopes that have not yet been fulfilled. Even as we speak, We are waging an all-hands-on-deck war with COVID-19, a solemn reminder that a virus a thousand times smaller than a grain of sand can bring entire populations and global economies to their knees. We pray for those who have lost loved ones in this modern plague, as well as for those who are currently infected or at risk. We certainly pray for those who are giving such magnificent health care. When we have conquered this, and we will, may we be equally committed to freeing the world from the virus of hunger and freeing neighborhoods and nations from the virus of poverty. May we hope for schools where students are taught, not terrified they will be shot, and for the gift of personal dignity for every child of God, unmarred by any form of racial, ethnic, or religious prejudice. 
Undergirding all of this is our relentless hope for greater devotion to the two greatest of all commandments, to love God by keeping his counsel and to love our neighbors by showing kindness and compassion, patience and forgiveness. These two divine directives are still and forever will be the only real hope we have for giving our children a better world than the one they now know. I can't even tell you how much I loved that talk. I think I speak for thousands of others that listened to this conference with a whole lot of corona on our minds, hoping for counsel and insight, and we got that for sure. But it didn't consume the conference. It was totally acknowledged, counsel was given, but I walked away with this sense that it's not as all-encompassing as the news and, honestly, my brain right wants me to believe. Elder Holland pointed out that there are so many people who continue in the midst of this pandemic to deal with personal heartache and tribulation that will last much longer than this current pandemic. The history of the world is replete with difficult episodes that are in the past, that have been endured and learned from and have resulted ultimately in more light, more freedom, and more resolve moving forward. For me, this was a little bit of a wake-up call. To pay attention for sure, right? To do what I can, absolutely, but to keep my focus on the future of what I have control of, which is really just my own personal growth. I loved the reminder that once this passes, this COVID pandemic, we have the opportunity to continue a collective effort to fight other viruses like hunger and poverty. I sincerely hope we do. I want to. After listening to conference, I watched the message that Queen Elizabeth shared, one of only five of its kind that she has broadcast in her 68-year reign. I loved it. Of course, she gratefully acknowledged the dedication and sacrifice of healthcare workers, and she thanked those who are staying at home in an effort to protect the most vulnerable. And then she said... Together we are tackling this disease, and I want to reassure you that if we remain united and resolute, then we will overcome it. I hope in the years to come, everyone will be able to take pride in how they responded to this challenge. I really liked that in her message, the Queen talks about the importance of looking for and celebrating heartwarming stories of people who are reaching out to other people, even in the midst of self-isolating. And though self-isolating may at times be hard, many people of all faiths and of none are discovering that it presents an opportunity to slow down, pause and reflect in prayer or meditation. My friend Colette shared with me the words that her sister posted to Instagram, which I love. She is wise underscore Mama J, and she said, You always find what you're looking for. If you want to find something to gripe about, you will find it. 
Conversely, if you want to find something to be grateful for, you will find it. Life has been anything but normal the past month. Challenging, to be sure. But I refuse to focus on what is not. I refuse to focus on anything that will bring me down or bring negativity or pessimism to my life or is beyond my realm of control. I set the tone for my house. I set the example for my kids. The greatest blessing of this whole COVID-19 thing for our family has been time, in capital letters. Time to have conversations we never would or could have under normal circumstances. Time to explore what life is like, as the queen mentioned, at a slower pace. Quite nice, if I'm being honest. The kids have done woodworking, played in the grass at the park just for fun, made up silly games and commercials, and read books, rode bikes and scooters more often than ever. And she goes on to describe the simple joys that her family is experiencing together during this time. I think it's so fascinating. We get to choose what to focus on, even in the midst of a worldwide crisis. Okay, one more snippet from Queen Elizabeth. While we have faced challenges before, this one is different. This time we join with all nations across the globe in a common endeavor, using the great advances of science and our instinctive compassion to heal. We will succeed, and that success will belong to every one of us. We should take comfort that while we may have more still to endure, better days will return. We will be with our friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again. What I think I love most in what she says is this confidence that she has that I believe in large part comes because of her more than 93 years of living. She knows that we will triumph because of her past experience. Russell M. Nelson is the current president of my church and I believe a prophet to the world. He is also super old. (laughs) He's in his 96th year. But he has this same resolute knowing, and he continually shares it with so much optimism. Our Father knows that when we are surrounded by uncertainty and fear, what will help us the very most is to hear his Son. Because when we seek to hear, truly hear his Son, We will be guided to know what to do in any circumstance. I totally believe that. I love it. I think God expects us to use every advantage that modern medicine and science affords us. I think he expects us to be involved, to do what we can to help others and to alleviate the general suffering. But I also believe he expects us to trust him and to exercise faith. Most recently, as Easter approaches, President Nelson has asked us to reflect in our individual lives on the opportunities we have to hear the words and teachings of Jesus Christ, which ultimately grow our faith. We have been encouraged to share thoughts and feelings, even on social media, and to use the hashtag HearHim. But 
what I most want to share from this recent conference is President Nelson's invitation to combine in a collective effort of prayer and fasting. Listen. The Apostle Paul admonished saints in Corinth to give yourselves to fasting and prayer. The Savior himself declared that certain things go not out but by prayer and fasting. I said recently in a social media video that as a physician and surgeon, I have tremendous respect for medical professionals, scientists, and others who are working around the clock to curb the spread of COVID-19. Now, as president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and an apostle of Jesus Christ, I know that God has all power, all wisdom, all understanding. He comprehendeth all things, and he is a merciful being, even unto salvation, to those who will repent and believe on his name. So during times of deep distress, as when illness reaches pandemic proportions, the most natural thing for us to do is to call upon our Heavenly Father and his Son, the Master Healer, to show forth their marvelous power to bless the people of the earth. So tonight, my dear brothers and sisters, in the spirit of the sons of Mosiah who gave themselves to much fasting and prayer, and as part of our April 2020 General Conference, I am calling for another worldwide fast. For all whose health may permit, let us fast, pray, and unite our faith once again. Let us prayerfully plead for relief from this global pandemic. I invite all, including those not of our faith, to fast and pray on Good Friday, April 10th, that the present pandemic may be controlled, caregivers protected, the economy strengthened, and life normalized. How do we fast? Two meals or a period of 24 hours is customary. But you decide what would constitute a sacrifice for you as you remember the supreme sacrifice the Savior made for you. Let us unite in pleading for healing throughout the world. Good Friday would be the perfect day to have our Heavenly Father and His Son hear us. This is exactly what I'm going to do. I and my family on Good Friday, we are going to fast. I'm so grateful for this opportunity, right? This feeling that there is something that I can do, that we can do collectively to show God our Heavenly Father that while we are prone to wander and prone to leave the God we love, that we can collectively choose to sacrifice just a little bit and help him know how much we want and need his blessings right now. The story of my cancer 
that I shared with you is one of countless experiences that I have had that have strengthened my ability to trust in God. I know he lives and I know he wants to bless us. He wants to help us. I'm so thankful for you that you listen to my podcast. (laughs) And if you've listened this far today, I want to say how much I appreciate your respect for my very personal convictions. More than being associated with any of the things that I have done in life, as an editor of a magazine, as an entrepreneur, a teacher, a scrapbooker, a storyteller, a podcaster, I want to be known as a devout defender of faith in Jesus Christ. I know that we don't all believe the same. That is just as it should be. But my hope is that you will take comfort in the words that I have shared today. I think we have exactly enough time to play our part in this pandemic, to do what we each feel inspired to do. I am watching you do this. I'm seeing it in my home, in my community, on social media, and I love it. I love that we can love and support and serve one another, even by hanging rainbows in our windows, right? By drawing chalk art. My family went on a walk and people have painted brightly colored rocks just to show goodwill. It's totally in these small efforts to love and support each other. That is exactly how hope grows in hard times. I hope you'll visit the show notes this week because I would love you to leave me a comment. I want to know what you're seeing and what you're experiencing. You know what you could do? You could send me a speak pipe message. I want to hear about something that you've seen or you've participated in, something that is heartwarming, a story like the kind that the Queen of England speaks about. This is the kind of thing I would love to share over the next several weeks and episodes as this collective experience unfolds. While there are so many things that feel out of our control right now, there are ways that we can show up for each other so that we can weather this storm together with a whole lot of resolve and optimism. Thank you again for listening. I'm going to be back next week with another episode of Exactly Enough Time.